we're starting a brand new series on spiritual and mental health entitled, Jesus Loves Us. For you see, in moments of difficulty and challenge, we need the love of Jesus to come alongside us. Jesus is ever-present when life hurts, when life is hard, and when life doesn't make sense. And my prayer has been for this series and for you is that you would encounter the profound love of Jesus Christ for you. Wherever you're at, in whatever moment you're at, Jesus is present for us, and he truly loves us. As we step into this conversation about spiritual and mental health, I want to start with a couple of ideas I want to introduce to you to set up the conversation. Because often, when we step into conversations about mental health, we think one specific thing, but I want to broaden our perspective about what spiritual and mental health is really all about. The first thought I wanted to deposit in your mind is that mental health is important, but it isn't everything. For you see, we are a human being and we have multifacets about our life. We're a, we're with, we have a mind, a body, a soul, and a spirit. We are a body and a person with multiple aspects. Mental health is important, but so is relational health. So is emotional health. So is spiritual health. So is physical health. And often what happens in the conversation about mental health is we split them apart. We focus exclusively on mental health, and we fail to realize that God has created us with multifacets. And God intends for us to be integrated beings, not separated. And I think part of the reason why we often have challenges with our mental health is because we look at it as separate aspects to focus in on. The second thought I want to offer to you is this, is that symptom relief is important, but it isn't the goal. What we see in the world we live in is symptom management is the definition of success. But I want to posit to you today is that God's goal is healing the soul. Symptom management is not what God came to do on the cross. He didn't just come so that he could manage our symptoms. He came to save our soul and to heal our soul. And we serve a Jesus that steps in not only to solve our symptoms, but also to save our soul. And we need him today. We need him to step in. We need him to show up. We need him to give us exactly what we need. And if we just focus on symptom management we fail to realize that he can do so much more. I believe God wants to integrate our perspective on mental health and spiritual health and relational health and emotional health because God's goal for us is wholeness. Whole person health is God's goal for us. He wants us to be fully whole, not lacking anything, the only way we can have that is when Jesus steps in and we allow him to love us and we allow him to heal our hearts. Jesus is our model for good spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, and physical health. He was healthy and whole. And because of that, we can trust him. But even though Jesus lived a perfect life, his life wasn't perfect. Yes, he enjoyed the successes and the celebrations of joy of life, but he also experienced the heartache and the heartbreak of life. Even though he was God in the flesh, he wasn't unscathed by the pain of humanity, which is the reason why I've entitled today's message, Jesus Gets Us. Jesus 
gets us. Jesus experienced joy and the presence of God and, and all the great things of life. But there are moments when he went hungry. There are moments when he was sad, frustrated. There's moments when he was overwhelmed. There was moments where he had long days and sleepless nights. There was moments where he was betrayed, beaten, and broken, but yet he was still faithful to the Father, and he gives us a blueprint about how we can step up and stay connected to God even when life falls apart. Jesus gives us a template. He gets us. In fact, Jesus gets us because he was one of us. Jesus was one of us. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. He gets us and he understands us because he was one of us. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus empathizes with our weakness. He journeyed in life. He lived in a body. And he understands. In fact, the Bible tells us in that same passage that he was tempted in all things, but yet he didn't sin. He found a way to honor God even in the most difficult times of life we can trust a Jesus like that I don't know about you but I can trust a Jesus who walked in a body like this and who understands me I believe we can trust him and we can follow him with our life because he loves us and he's ever present for us so today I want to invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 26 we're going to look at verses 36 and following but before we get into the text what I'd like to do is set the scene of what's happening in this passage. As we step into the story, we'll discover that Jesus has just had a final meal with his disciples called the Last Supper. What he does is he invites his disciples close. And Judas at that point has already betrayed, has already stepped out to betray Jesus. And Jesus steps in and he invites his disciples to come close. And one of the things that we're going to do at the end of this service is we're going to participate in communion. And I trust that you receive communion elements. But if you didn't, I invite you right now to just raise your hand. Our ushers are going to come forward. They'd love to put communion elements in your hand. And the one criteria for participating in communion is that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the only requirement for participating in communion here at Westover. And I'll just invite our online family Find some juice, find some bread, participate in this moment of communion with us. Let's go to the Lord's table at the end of this moment and thank Jesus for his sacrifice and the way he demonstrated his love to us. So as we step into this passage, this is the backdrop. Jesus has just had that meal. Judas has gone to the religious leaders to betray Jesus. Jesus is with those 11 disciples and he takes them into the Garden of Gethsemane. This is where we pick up verse 36 and following. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus experienced sorrow and overwhelm just like you and I. He understands. He gets us. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Imagine that. 
Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Jesus gets us. He understands us. He understands what it feels like to be betrayed, to be ghosted by people who say they love you, to be left all alone in the most critical moment of time. He understands us, church. He understands the difficulty that you've encountered over weeks and months and even years. And he's saying, I want to come close. I want to minister to your heart. I want to encourage you. I want to give you my love so that you can keep going. Jesus gets us and he loves us and he understands us. So what I want to do today is I want to share with you three ways to thrive in hard times. Just like Jesus. The first way is pull close friends closer. Say closer. Pull close friends closer. Verses 36 through 38 says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus, he had foes. He had fans, fair-weather fans. He had followers, and then he had close friends. There was one follower named Judas who ended up being a foe. In this passage, we learn that eight of those disciples were followers, but three were friends. For you see, what he does is he steps into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he tells eight of them, stay right here while I go over here to pray. But then verse 37 tells us that Jesus, what he does is he invites Peter, James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, and he says, come with me. And it was then and only then that Jesus chose to show his heart and the heartache in his heart. Here's what I want us to realize is that Jesus shared his life with his followers, but he shared his heart with his friends. It was only then only when he was by himself with those three disciples that he really told them that he was overwhelmed and that his heart was troubled. Often in life, we end up sharing all of our pain and sorrow with everyone. In fact, there's this concept in psychology called catharsis. And catharsis is really an unburdening of the heart. It's purifying our heart of what's burdening our heart. But often what happens in life is we're not careful about who we share our pain with. What we see from the life of Jesus is that not all people are created equal. Some people help us in hard times, and some people hurt us in hard times. And so the admonition that we see from the Word of God in Proverbs chapter 4 is to guard our heart. God intends for us to guard our heart, and a way we can guard our heart is by guarding our inner circle. Today, guard your heart by guarding your inner circle. Be very careful about who you let in because once you let in, it's hard to get them out. I see this in the culture time and again, and I would say this to our high schoolers. Often what happens is 
We share everything on social media because we have a need to be affirmed or encouraged. But I want to reassure you that that person who just recently started following you, you know, that person that was an acquaintance in middle school gym that doesn't know you at all, they don't need to know the pain of your heart. They can't help you. We must find people that we can trust with the pain of our heart. Share struggles with safe people. That's what Jesus did. So I want to help us out today. Give us a definition of what a safe person is. A safe person is someone who doesn't gossip. For you see, if they gossip about other people to you, it's only a matter of time that they will gossip about you to someone else. Find someone that doesn't gossip. Find someone who's loyal. Loyal regardless of who shows up. Regardless of who steps into the circle of friends, they're still loyal to you. And number three, they encourage you. And here's the definition of encouragement I'm using today. They're willing to celebrate you when you win and they don't. They're willing to encourage you when you get the prize and they don't. And they're truly genuine about it. Those are safe people. And those are the people that we should trust our heart with. God's inviting us, church, to guard our heart. We must pull our close friends closer. So I just want to say, you can be choosy about your friends. In fact, if it helps you, you can be bougie about your friends. You can be mindful of who you let into your inner circle. Guard your heart. Protect it. Be careful who you let in. Some people help us heal and other people they hurt us even more. And this is what Jesus does in verse 38. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. In this one passage, we learn two quick things. Number one, when life hurts, we need to reach out to safe people. This is what Jesus did. He said, I'm sorrowful. I'm overwhelmed. If you're hurting today, don't suffer alone. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to be alone. Reach out to someone else someone that you know you can trust. And then if you're the person that's being reached out to, what do you do? You listen. You pray with them. You encourage them. You're present for them. Sometimes we don't know what to say. You don't know what to say, just encourage them. All you say is, I want you to know that I love you. I'm sorry you're hurting. I know I can't change this, but I'm here for you. And I'm praying for you. That's what we can say. Sometimes our words fail us, but the power of presence in a moment of pain is a gift. We need to be people who are willing to come alongside people who are hurting and be willing to say, I'm here for you and I love you. And God loves you too. And I'm here to pray for you. The second way to thrive during hard times is to share deep struggles with Jesus. Say share. Share deep struggles with Jesus. Verse 39 and following, look at what it says here. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, make this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Let me pause here and say this. The heartbreak of humanity was never God's intent. In fact, original sin is what brought pain and heartache and death into humanity. You remember in the garden, the garden was perfect. That was the environment we were intended to live in. But because of the sin of humanity, 
heartbreak and pain and difficulty was introduced into life. That was never God's will. Okay, So God doesn't bring pain and suffering to people. But he wants to step in and provide his will. God still has a will for us even when pain shows up in our life. And this is what Jesus was saying. Not my will, but your will be done. That's what it says in verse 42 and following. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Jesus surrenders to the will of God. Verse 44, so he prayed the third time saying the same thing. Jesus shared his deepest struggles with the Father. He told his disciples, stay here. He told his friends, come close. And then he took one step further, and he put his face on the ground. If you're at the point where you're beyond desperate, be willing to put your face on the ground and pray. And just say, God, it's hard. God, it hurts. God, I don't understand. And you'll sense a whisper in your spirit from Jesus saying, I know, I'm here, I love you, I haven't forgotten you, I haven't forsaken you, I know what it's like, I get you, I understand, would you let me come close? This is what Jesus did, he went to the Father, he put his face on the ground, but he didn't just do it once, he did it twice, he did it three times. He consistently went back to the Father. I've seen this time and again, that the presence of pain doesn't mean the absence of God. Just because pain has shown up in our life doesn't mean that God is absent. No, he's close. This is what Psalm 34, 18 says, Lord, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 23, verse 4 says this, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you the Lord are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God provides comfort to us in our moment of difficulty and pain. We just need to invite him in. We need to share our deep struggles with Jesus. We need to run to him. And that's what Jesus did. He kept running back to the Father. One time, two times, three times. Often what happens in life is we pray one prayer and when we sense that Jesus has not answered it, we abandon that prayer and we go back to doing whatever else we did before. But what Jesus teaches us through, through his example is he keeps running back to the Father. We need to keep running to God, church. We need to keep running to God day after day, month after month, year after year, having moments with him and allowing him to be, to be our comfort and to be our strength. Church, we can run to him. And he'll show up for us. But we must be willing to go to him. The third way to thrive in hard times is to pray with friends you trust. Say pray. Pray with friends you trust. Verses 40 and 41 says this. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with them for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, before we bust on the disciples, I think we need to admit we're more like the disciples than we'd like to say. My kids, from time to time, say, Dad, it's no fun watching movies with you because you fall asleep on the couch. I tell them, the spirit is willing, but the couch is comfy. 
We're much more like the disciples. But what we see from the life of Jesus is that he still went back to his friends. You may be in a place right now now where your friends have abandoned you. But I want to promise you that Jesus hasn't. If you're all alone, realize that you're not alone because Jesus is with you. And if you have Jesus, you have everything. If you have Jesus, you have everything. If you have Jesus, you have the one friend that you most need in life. And I just want to challenge you to reach out to him and tell him what's on your heart and what you're burdened about and what you're struggling with, and he will be present for you. Jesus kept praying and praying and praying. Prayer helps when life hurts. Prayer helps when nothing else does. And prayer is the thing that strengthens our spirit when our flesh is weak. There are moments when life wears us out, when we're overwhelmed and we're tired. And prayer is the thing that strengthens us. Because when our flesh is weak and our spirit is weak, what ends up happening is we're tempted to run away. And this is what Jesus was saying. Watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. You don't fall into the temptation of walking away from me. You don't fall into temptation to walk away from the thing that I've called you to. Don't walk away from Jesus. Don't walk away from what he's called you to. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Stay with it. Don't give up. God hasn't given up on you. He loves you. He has a purpose for you. Prayer works when nothing else does. Don't quit. And so today as I close, I want to invite us to stand. We're going to go to the table of the Lord. I invite you to retrieve your communion elements. Set aside every distraction. Let's go to the table of God. I want to invite you to join me in praying and asking God to administer the communion to us today. Let's pray together. Jesus, today we're grateful for your sacrifice. The way you willingly went to the cross to demonstrate your love to us. And so, Lord, we remember you today with these elements. I pray, Lord, you bless these elements. I also pray, most importantly, Jesus, that you would be present right now. And you would be the one administering communion to us and to our hearts. Bless your people today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. On that very dark night, Jesus gathered with his disciples and shared a meal. And he took bread. He said, this bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. Do this and take this in remembrance of me. I invite you right now to break and let's take together. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just say right now, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let it be a prayer in your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus. And after he'd taken the bread, he took the cup. He said, this cup represents the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins, for life, hope, freedom, for healing. He said, take this in remembrance of me. I invite us right now. Let's take together.
Yes, Lord. God, I pray right now that you would just minister to your people, that your Holy Spirit would be present, that you, Lord, would be individually speaking to people today, letting them know that they are loved. You haven't forgotten them. You're here to encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. If you need the encouragement of God today, our prayer team is available. They love to pray with you. You can pray with people that we trust. We're here to encourage you. If you need something from God today, you just need his encouragement, you need more of his presence, I want you to not delay, and I want you to come forward. And if you need prayer, connect with one of our prayer team members. They would love to pray with you. But now, let's take a moment and worship the king because he is worthy. He deserves our very best praise. So let's worship the Lord together. Church, let's worship.